Let's pray. Father, as we open up your word this afternoon, God, we're just asking for your grace to meet us at the point of our need. God, as our pastor was speaking about looking at ourselves in the mirror and sometimes not feeling accepted. God, I pray that as we open up the word, uh, it would be a mirror to us and we would see the state of our heart and you would minister healing and deliverance and power and strength, dear God. You are who you say you are. You are who we're singing about, dear God. And every praise is due your name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I'm going to read it to you for the third time today. We had communion this morning. We had communion this afternoon. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. I'm going to speak to you about what the community of faith should look like. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen? Now, when we study the scriptures, and by the way, Pastor Ham, I'm glad your, your dad preached that message on goodness this morning. If you weren't here, get that message. And if you don't understand anything I speak today, this afternoon, just get that message this morning. Because this is just saying yes and amen to your dad's preaching this morning. When we study the scripture it's important that we understand the context in which it was written, the context in which it was spoken, and this helps us apply it more effectively to our life. So we're going to take this passage and we're going to look at the context in which it was shared by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. Uh, for example, if we take uh, that passage in Matthew 18, 20, two, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. How many of you have heard that scripture and, and, and said, you know what, all we need is two or three and God is there, right? It was not talking about n not having the need to congregate as, as a fellowship and not, not needing to be in the body of Christ and just do your own thing with two or three uh, on the outskirts. In fact, it was talking about correction and restoration and discipline within the body. It was talking about when somebody sins and you pull them apart and you speak to that person. And then if that person doesn't hear you out, you bring one, another person. And then you may bring it to leadership and, and you try to restore this person to a healthy relationship in Jesus Christ. And where two or three are gathered there, the Lord says, I'm in the midst of that. I want restoration within the body. I want healing within the body. You understand what I'm saying? So we don't, we, we try not to take scriptures out of context. We want to see what context they were given. Another scripture, for example, is I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 used a lot to, to motivate people to do whatever they want to do. Do what your heart tells you to do. Go the distance. You can be everything your heart determines in your heart to be. That's not what the apostle Paul was saying. The context was about being content in Christ and learning to do without any lack of provision or to abound in much provision. He had learned to be content in Christ. And he says, in Christ, I can do all things. Amen. So it's not for the lone ranger who says, I don't need the body of Christ. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. It's me and my God. No, this is a body ministry. This is my body, he said. This is my bread broken for you. 
So the context of here is not just one of meditation, even though we use it in the house of God to reflect and to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but the context in which Paul uses it in Corinthians, and many of you know this already, is one of correction and one of reproof. He's in the middle of scolding the church of the Corinth, of, of the Corinth congregation. He's in the middle of telling them, I can't praise you in this thing that I'm seeing in your church. He told them many good things that they were doing, but then he, he begins to correct them on this one area. He says, there's an attitude that has crept in to the house of God, which is not good. You're not coming together for good. In fact, you're coming together and it's, it's doing harm to the body of Christ. He's saying, you, you, you rush to the meal because the communion table was not just a little piece of bread and a little cup of wine. It was a meal. It was a meal that was shared amongst the brethren, the early church. So when they would come together to eat, some people would get there faster than the others and eat it all and not leave for others. They were having little part, uh, little uh, private little group uh, uh, meals and stuff and bringing for them and not, not having for, for other people, kind of like exclusive uh, uh, cliques within the body of Christ. And he says, I've, I've heard that there are divisions among you. I've heard that there are schisms within the house of God, and this is not right. And in this context, he says, for I have received of the Lord that which I also deliver unto you. In other words, this is the lesson that I've learned from the Lord, and this is what I want to share with you in this moment, in this hour where, where he sees things in the congregation that shouldn't be. He says, I praise you not. You're not esteeming each other as the family of the community of faith. You're not regarding those who are weaker than you. The fellowship of breaking bread is not about you getting what you want and getting only what satisfies your belly. It's, it's, it's something deeper. It's something greater. It's not just what's in it for you. It's what God has in plan to do in your life and through your life. There had arisen strife, contention, divisions. There were people that were unhappy with the, with the communion table. They were, they were already going with uh, uh, disdain and with disheartened uh, hearts because, because of what was happening and how uh, selfish uh, people were becoming within the house of God. Self-serving instead of sacrificial service. Self-promoting, self-centered, looking for personal gain, personal advantage, personal recognition. Disregard and indifference for the weak and for the poor. He, he says, shaming those, shaming those who have not. What I can get, what's in it for me. You see, and sometimes our, our, our church attendance and our church membership can, can slowly uh, accept this attitude that the world has, like a spectator uh, mentality, like I just sit, I hear the word of God, I get what I am, and I'm out of here. You know, like, like going to the theater, like going to a, a, a concert. I go, I pay my dues, I pay my tithes, I pay my, and I get what God wants to give me, and I'm out of here. And, and the church of Jesus Christ is so much more. The, the fellowship and the community of faith is so much deeper that, that Paul goes back to the, the, the Lord's Supper and he says, I want you to picture this. I want you to have this picture always in your mind as you behold the body of Christ, as you understand what church is all about, as you understand the community of faith. I want you to look to the communion table and say, this is what the Lord has given me. This is what I pass on to you. He reminds them that this is a celebration. And this is my first point. That the community of faith, the church, is a celebration. Like we were singing this afternoon. Celebrate. Celebrate. He is risen. Celebrate the glory, the, the awesomeness, the goodness of God. 
His church is a celebration of compassion and mercy. Now, it, they were not only celebrating the Passover together. They were not only breaking bread and remembering the deliverance from Egypt. But you have to understand, it says the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. He was celebrating among those who would betray him that very night. He was celebrating and giving thanks among those who were going to forsake him even that very evening. He was breaking bread and sharing with them with joy in his heart, with singing, with those who were going to deny him. And he knew this. On the night that he was betrayed, he broke bread. Those who would flee from his side, those who would fear in, in, in spite of all his exhortation to fear not, those who would take the sword in their hands and try to resolve things in their own strength. He was breaking bread among those who would fall asleep while he was going through his darkest trial. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was celebrating in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of weak and unworthy vessels. We, none of us are worthy to sit at his table. And yet he says, you're accepted in the beloved. None of us are worthy. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is. No big players and little players. None of us are worthy. All of us have fallen short from the glory of God. We've all fallen short. And yet he welcomes us at his table and he delights in us. He rejoices over us with singing. This is a celebration. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is. That's what the community of faith looks like. It's a celebration of compassion and mercy. He didn't have to take me in. He didn't have to cleanse me. He didn't have to give me a new heart and a new mind. He didn't have to give himself the bread of life for me. I was the one who put him on the cross. My sin was the sin that nailed him to the tree. He didn't have to give me life. He didn't have to give me eternal life, a fullness of joy and pleasures forever more and yet he delighted to do so strike up the band kill the fattened calf he tells the father tells his servants because one of his sons had come back this son that was lost is now found and it's time to celebrate this son which was dead is now alive and we must celebrate he didn't deserve the party He didn't deserve the fattened calf. He didn't deserve the righteous robe. He didn't deserve the shoes on his feet. He didn't deserve the ring on his finger. And yet the father chose to celebrate in compassion and mercy. We're not the ones on the original guest list, guys. Remember the parable of the marriage supper or the, the king who does a supper for his a marriage feast for his son. And he has the guest list and he sends his servants to go get them. And they say, no, we're too busy. We got this to do. We got that to do. And they mistreat even the servants that go there. So then he says, go to the highways and the byways and compel all those, the weak, the poor, the rich, the strong, the weak, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything out there. Tell them to come and there's room. I've got everything ready. The house is set. The, 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 the feast is ready. The, the, the animals have been killed and the, the, the roast pork or whatever. I don't, Jews don't eat pork, but I'm Puerto Rican. You got you to gotta forgive me here. And it's Christmas time, you know. Three Kings was yesterday or, or the day. So whatever meat you, you eat, whatever, he's got it ready. It's all prepared. And you say, me? Me? I was just going about my business. I'm invited? Yeah, you can come. There's room at the table for you. That's you and me, guys. We weren't on the original list. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
We were grafted in by mercy and compassion into the feast and the celebration of his compassion and mercy. Turn to someone on your left or your right and say, I wasn't on the guest list, were you? And yet, here we are. Here we are, hallelujah, celebrating the Lord, his mercy and his compassion. Now, here's the question. If we were the joy that was set before him, that enabled him to endure the cross, if he celebrates over us with joy and singing and dancing, if we are the product of his compassion and mercy, then how can we justify showing each other anything less? I'm going to read that again for my own heart. How can I justify showing my brethren, the community of faith, anything less than compassion and mercy when I've been shown such mercy and such compassion? He says, take, eat my body broken for you. In other words, this is what I've done for you. And the next two words are do this, do this. I love the Apostle Paul. He just says, what I've received of the Lord, that I deliver unto you. That, that's the life of the Christian. What we've received of the Lord, we give. He's given us mercy. He forgave us when we didn't deserve it. And now we forgive. He cleansed us. He covered us when we were against him. So now we cover those, even a multitude of sins, to those even who oppose us. We extend our hand to reach out in a desperate time of need to those who probably are going to turn against us. Those who are frail and weak, but those who are not going to repay us, those who are not going to look and applaud us, those who are not going to pat us on the back. And yet we've received that from the Lord and that we deliver unto others. Amen. Such mercy, such tenderness, such compassion, such long suffering. And God is calling us to do this in remembrance of him. This is the community of faith. This is what the body of Christ should look like. An expression of his mercy. An expression of his tenderness. An expression of his love. No holding back on my brother. No holding back on my sister. No holding back on the community of faith. No giving second best, but giving my all. Because God has given his all to me. Because he has given me his life. I can lay my life down and I can be broken bread for the sake of the edifying of the saints, for the sake of the building up of the brethren within the house. Amen? Amen. This is my body. Colossians 3, 11 through 13 says, Here there is no Gentile, nor Jew, nor circumcised, nor barbarian, nor Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Say compassion. compassion. Kindness. Say kindness. kindness. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's no black, there's no white, there's no Puerto Rican, no Irish. I don't know why you're laughing. So many people have asked me, where's the O'Neill come from? Are you Irish or not? I don't know. I know I was blood washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and my identity in Christ stands pure and greater and, 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 and more glorious than any earthly heritage that I could have. No Asian, no Democrat, no Republican. 
Amen. Educated, non-educated, smart and, and not too smart and good looking and not too good looking. There's none of that in the house of God. Popular, not popular. There's no big stuff and little stuff in the house of God. God is one, one God. There's one church, one body, one baptism, one faith, one spirit. And he says, this is what the community of faith should look like. But now are they many members yet, but one body. First Corinthians 12 says, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. That's what was happening in the, in the house of the Corinthians, in the community, the fellowship of the Corinthians. There were people who considered themselves hands and says, I don't have need of the eye. And some people consider themselves eyes. They didn't consider themselves in need of the hand. That there should be no division in the body, but that its parts or its members should have equal concern for each other. Oh, glorious God. Have you ever gotten a speck in your eye, a little thing in your eye? A little piece of flint or something. What's the first thing that rushes to the eye? Water. water. <laughs> How do you get the water in your eye? <laughs> your hand. Your hand reaches out to your hand. You start. Yeah, you need water. Yes, praise God for the water. We're getting all deep and theological here. The water, you know, the water and the blood. I'm just trying to keep it simple. That hand reaches out to the eye. As soon as you get that speck, you're, you're like, oh my God, I got something in my eye. When you get a splinter in your, in your, in your hand, your eyes are like glued. To, you're like taking off your glasses. And you're like pushing that thing and trying to see where it starts, where it begins, so you can pluck it out. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. The hand cannot say to the eye, I have no need of you. And I, there may be people in the house today looking down upon others or maybe even looking down on yourself. And say, I'm nothing in the house of God. I'm no big deal. You know, those guys, those, those, those people, you know, that's, that's the saints of God. Those people, wow, they are really holy. And, they, and you're looking down on yourselves. And God has been speaking to us. He says, don't call that which I've cleansed unclean. Don't look down on your brother and sister. Don't even look down on yourself. You belong to Jesus. You are accepted in his presence. And he's doing a good work in your life. God has been speaking to us. No big ministries and insignificant members. There's nothing insignificant in the house of God. Everything has its purpose. God is on the throne and he is the body. He is the fullness of his body. I can imagine the disciple John at the foot of the cross. And you know, I, I don't want to put words that, that may, I don't know what he was thinking, but probably I would be thinking if I was a, the foot of the cross. The only disciple at the foot of the cross, by the way. Everybody else deserted him. I'm there and I'm standing it up, right? I'm, wow. God's going to speak something to me from the cross. I know it. He's going to commission me for something great. I know it. I'm the only one. Look, where, where's Peter? Where's Peter? I'm here. He's always denying him, him somewhere. <laughs> Last time I heard, he was chickening out. I'm here. I know he's been looking at me. He's been giving me that stare. God's going to speak to me. He's going to commission me. Maybe I'll be speaking to thousands. Maybe great revival is going to come through me. I, this is just me. I'm not saying John was thinking that. But uh, 
Jesus looks to him and says, son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. Wow. Wow. Is that a setback? Is that a downgrade from great ministry? No. My friends, there is nothing insignificant about taking care of somebody. That is ministry in the, in the eyes of God. It is ministry. It shakes the foundations of hell when we just do the things that he has called us to do with the heart of obedience and the heart of joy, knowing that it has come from the master's hands of compassion and mercy to my hands. It is a testimony to this life and to the congregation that God is good and he is faithful and he's in charge of his church. There is no big ministries, no small ministries. I love the way God just brings things together in the house of God. And it's like the choir singing in harmony. And you got all the, you got the, the tenors and the altos and the sopranos just coming in and blessing your heart and blessing my heart in sync. God is God. God is God who, who takes the bass and the tenor and the drums and the, the musicians and everything else and puts together a wonderful symphony of praise to the glory and honor of his name. Because... Every little note, every little instrument is a praise unto his name. Every praise is to his name. I remember once standing in the back and I passed by a brother, a brother passed by me. I said, how you doing? I hadn't seen him in a while. And this was recently. And he says, not too good. And I said, what's up? I took the time to just hear him out. What's up? And he began sharing with me a struggle that he was going through deep struggle but as he was sharing that deep struggle I was remembering another brother that went through the same issue here in this body and I was saying wow this sounds so familiar it sounds so much like the same uh, trip that the enemy was putting on my other friend here in the house and God had delivered that guy from 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 gloriously the guy who's involved now in church and just I had seen a total transformation of how God ministered to that other brother So I start sharing with him, trying to encourage him. Listen, there's a brother who went through the same issue that you're talking to me about. And right there, this never happened to me before. I never met that other brother in that aisle. I always see him in other places of the, of the church. And uh, he just passes by and he says, sorry to interrupt. I don't want to interrupt you guys speaking, but I just wanted to say hi. He, he took the time to just say hi to me. And I just can't believe what I'm seeing. The guy who I'm talking to this guy about is right there. I don't want to confuse you. But I, I just said, brother, can you pray for this brother? Because he's going through something that you went through. And he just lays hands on this brother and starts praying exactly what this guy needs to hear. I'm just baffled. I'm just saying, God, this is your body. This is your community of faith. Hallelujah. Not only praise for him. Along the lines of what the, the struggles are in his life. But says, listen, you want my number? Here's my number. Gave him a card that you call me anytime that you're struggling and I'll be there for you. Praise God for the body of Christ. Stop comparing yourselves to other people saying that you're nothing or that you're something. Stop judging anybody saying this person is spiritual and that person is not spiritual. We are the body of Christ. We are all accepted in the beloved because of his compassion and mercy. No other reason, no credentials, no, no, nothing of our, our past has enabled us or to merit his favor in the house of God. Amen. He invites us to the table so that we can show the same compassion and mercy to our brothers and sisters. 
Now, there may be some struggling to this afternoon with real issues. I'm not, I'm not downplaying those issues. Offenses are real. Offenses come. People are people. If you've never been offended, maybe you're the offender and you don't even know it. <laughs> you're like, nobody's hurt me. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to ask the person next to you if you've offended them. Because <clears throat> that may distract us a little bit. But it's, it's amazing. You, you, can, you can feel the weight of the offense and you can say, I can't get out of this. I don't know if you've been there, but you can be so offended, so hurt, so wounded that you say, I cannot get out of this alone. I can't just hear a sermon on loving my brother, encouraging, edifying the brethren. No, it's not going to cut it. And God knows that. It's almost like bread too hard to swallow. Have you ever been choking on something and, you need <clears throat> and the waiter doesn't come with the drinks, right? And, and you, you just, <clears throat> where's my water? And, and the waiter's going this way and that way. And you're like eating bread. <clears throat> the hiccups start rising up. And some of you feel like that right now. You're hearing another sermon. Oh, no. This is heavy. Another commandment. I got to love my brother. And as Christ loved the church. Oh, my goodness. I got to love. I got to forgive. I got to extend hands of mercy to those who have offended me. I don't even want to be next to them. I don't even, you know. They know this is my seat. Why do they take my seat every time I come? They, they know I've been sitting here for 10 years. Everybody else knows it. But just when we're feeling like we could never be this broken bread that Jesus calls us to be, he comes with the wine. He comes with the hope. He comes with the satisfaction, the soothing. And he tells them, this is the New Testament. And I'm putting emphasis. You know, the Bible doesn't really put exclamations here and there uh, on an intonation. You don't, you don't hear the intonation of, of the master every time he speaks. But I hear him saying, this is the cup of the New Testament or the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood, in my blood. Not your blood, not your sweat, not your tears, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's not something you and I can do. Here comes the hope of glory. It's in me that you're going to find the strength to live out this love and this compassion and mercy. It's not in your own ability. It's not in your own uh, getting it together and saying, uh, convincing yourself, yeah, that there's something worthy in my brother to, yeah, I got to see them like Christ. Oh, I got to see them like, like Christ sees the church. No, it's about yielding our life to the one who is the craftsman master builder. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I have the master plan. I am your maker. I am your builder. Like our brother was singing, I am. I am, I am, I am the author and the perfecter of your faith. I'm the one who began a good work and I'm faithful to complete it. I'm the one who promises to make you a blessing in the earth. I will build my church and the gates of hell, even the inclinations of your own heart are not going to prevail against my plan for your life. 
This is my work, my doing. I'm committed to making you into what you could never become in your own strength. It's a new covenant. It's not like the days of old where you had to follow some rules in order to receive favor from God. No, God says, I will write my laws upon your heart. I will sprinkle clean water, cleanse you from your filthiness, your idols. I will put my spirit upon you and cause you to walk in my statutes. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a heart of compassion. Oh God, touch our eyes, touch our hearts with compassion for our brothers and sisters. This is his occupation. This is what he is committed to do in you and in me. He said to the disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So please forgive, pardon the appearance, but I'm under construction. I may be unfinished. I'm not there where, where I need to be, but there's a process. And God is on the move, and God is working in me. And God is working on me, even in his creation. During every step of creation, he would just step back and say, it's good. It's good. This is good. And you're in the process and I'm in the processing and, and we may feel condemned and we may feel like, because we're looking at the bigger picture and we're saying, I'm not where I should be. And God says, this is good. Where I have you is good because you're dependent upon me. So don't give up. Don't give up, my friends. Listen, your brothers and your sisters, there's, they're under construction as well. Don't give up. Some people come to the church and they find fault in others and they say, I'm out of here. This church is not, not the church. It is the church. It is the community of faith. That's exactly what it's all about. God is working in us and God is going to work through us. He's building his people. It's a privilege to serve in the house of God when God is the one who's building it. He's the foundation. He is the support. He's the one who constructs his people. He's the one fashioning us and he's, he's working out a masterpiece. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We are his workmanship, his handiwork. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, ye are God's field. Ye are God's building. He's planting things in you. He's, he's putting his word in you and it's going to blossom. It's going to bring forth fruit in your life. You are God's field. I don't know if you're hearing what I'm hearing, but God is telling me, don't give up on your brothers and sisters. Don't give up on them. Just because of the noise and the hammering of the construction, the smoke and the stuff that you see going on, you don't say, I'm out, I'm through with the church of Jesus Christ. I'm out of here. I'm going to go find a better church. My friends, if you're going to find the true community of faith, they're under construction as well. There is no congregation that has arrived. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word of God says he's the one building us. Ephesians 4, 2, 7. In fact, can you turn there with me? Ephesians 4, and let's read this together. I want you to see this in black and white. Verses 2 through 7. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body. This is verse 4 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And here is the key. Here is the key. But unto every one of us, 
is given. Do you have it? Grace. According to the measure of the gift of Christ. He gives us grace. He gives us grace to do and to be all that he's called us to be. This is a privilege, my friends, to be under construction of the mighty hand of God. Because whatever he does is good. What he is building is good. He is perfect in all his ways. He is perfect in his word. He is leading. He is guiding. He calls us friends. He calls us his children. He calls us his temple, his household, his bride, the apple of his eye, the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they know me. We follow him and they follow me. Listen, offenses, they will come. They do come. But Christ gives grace. You will be offended. People will step on your toes. The wounds come. But God is God that gives grace. In a practical, in a practical uh, set of advice that I could give you as, as your brother. Bring it to him as fast as you can. As soon as the offense arises. I've said this before. I've said when you're driving and somebody cuts you off and you see that sign on the back of the truck that says, if this truck is being driven recklessly, call this number, right? If you leave it for later, you're going to forget the number. You know, you're going to call. Honey, dial that number right now. Honey, dial that number. I'm going to get license plate. I'm going to get everything. But my friends, sometimes we bring it to the wrong person. We bring it to our brother and sister, the offense. Instead of bringing it to him, he's in charge. Isn't that... If, if this truck is being driven recklessly, call your friend and complain about it. No. It says, call the boss. Call the company. Amen? We call the builder. We call the God who's in charge of his house. Bring it to him quickly. Quickly. And, go, and expect God to do something. Expect God to do something. Now, he may do it quickly, but it may take some time. But you call on God quickly. As soon as the offense comes, don't harbor it in your heart. Just take it to God. Continue to take it to God. God, this pain. God, how could this brother and sister do this to me? And they sing in the choir. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making sure they don't fall asleep. Man. You haven't offended me. And they, and they call themselves a leader in Times Square Church. What, what's that? What's that? Bring it to God. God. You were offended. You were broken and bruised. For my iniquities, God. You were pierced for my iniquities. God, the chastisement of my peace was upon your body, oh God. I need you to heal me of this wound. I don't want it to come between my brother and my sister. I don't want it to come between our relationship. I want to glorify God in loving my brother and my sister the way you do. Amen. And God begins to reveal himself to you. I've been praying, God, touch my eyes. I've been noticing that when I go to school, kids could become a nuisance. I teach in the South Bronx, <clears throat> nothing against the South Bronx, but the kids are, are pretty tough. And uh, sometimes when we sing, he conquered my enemies and put them under my feet, you know, uh, you know what I'm thinking, you know? <laughs> And you're laughing because you probably thought, God, yeah, put my enemies under my feet. But we know as the community of faith that those aren't, they, flesh and blood are not the enemies that God's putting under our feet. 
It's the, those issues of the heart. And I've been praying, God, touch my eyes. Touch my eyes to see these kids differently. To see them with compassion and grace and mercy. Touch my eyes. I can't do it. I can't psych myself up. I can't hear a motivational tape before work and just get in the mood and say, yeah, I'm going to give these kids all that they deserve. No, I need God. I need God. And uh, I, was, I was dealing with this little girl, third grader. She was just wrecking havoc in, in, in the gym. I'm a phys ed teacher. And uh, she was just, nobody could just do anything. She would just get into everybody's stuff and touch everybody's equipment. and just. So I, I took her by the hand and I said, uh, now this is not the way I dealt with her previously. This is just what happened to me the other day. I wasn't thinking, God give me grace, God touch my eyes. I, ha I had been praying this, but I forgot my prayers at that moment. <laughs> I, I took her by the hand and I, and I said, you know what? Honey, tell me what's going on in your home that you're acting like this. I don't know where that question came from. I just wanted to blame it on somebody. Tell, tell me, what, how do they treat you at home that you're acting like this in school? And she says, I behave wonderfully at home with, with my mother and my grandfather. Because I don't have a dad. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I said, oh, so that's it. Since you don't have a dad, you want my attention. You see me as your dad. And you want me to grab you by the hand and walk with you and give you advice and tell you what to do. And you're looking for my attention. And she looks at me. Something sparked in her eyes. And she said, how old are you? <laughs> and I said, I'm old enough to be your Grandpa. She said, okay. And that took me by surprise. I said, what do you mean? You want me to be your grandpa? She said, okay. And I said, okay, but I want you to make grandpa proud, okay? Make grandpa real proud. I want you to do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing to get my attention. Do the right thing so I can say, wow, that was awesome. And she said, okay. I said, go, have fun. She went, she played, she came back every once in a while to check up on me, to make sure I was watching her. And then later on, I remembered my prayer, God, touch my eyes. I can't do this without you. I need your grace. And I'm going to cover the last point real quick. Because if you don't get anything out of this, just hear this morning's message, all right? Just, I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not fooling around. This morning's message was this. The community of faith is the proclamation of Calvary's message. For as often as you eat this bread, in other words, be given for others. Not selfish, not self-centered, but given for others. Eat this bread and drink this cup. In other words, receive the grace and the power of God and the Spirit to do this. You do show or proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you and I choose to walk in communion with God's family, we provide a living picture of the cross, not only to our brothers, not only to our sisters, our community, our family, our friends, but to the world, to the entire world, to this generation. We declare the cross, the goodness of God, the love of God is put on display. His compassion and mercy are put on display. We're the only Bible some of them will ever read. He sees forgive, they see forgiveness in the life of the brothers and the sisters. Above all, 1 Peter 4, 5 says, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
Philippians 2.14, do everything without grumbling, arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You'll shine like the stars. The stars were used for guidance. The stars were used for, for, uh, to, to get a perspective of where you are positioning. The world looks at us as stars in the heavens. They're able to gaze and say, I'm in the wrong direction. I'm moving in the wrong path. I see where I should be going. His goodness leads leads us to repentance. Amen. Matthew 5:16 says, "Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." And John 13:35, and I close with this, "By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another." My prayer for this year, 2018, is that God make each and every one of us evangelists. Evangelists. Not so much in what we say, but even much more so in what we do. The word of God is to be a a two-edged sword. It's supposed to be the words we speak, but also backed up with how we live. Amen? If our life doesn't line up with what we speak, then the message is dull. It's not a two-edged sword. Amen? Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm yielding my life this year. I'm saying, God, make me an evangelist in my home. Make me an evangelist in my neighborhood. Make me an evangelist in my, in, in my community of work. I want to be a testimony of God's goodness, compassion, and mercy, and love. His holiness, His righteousness, His wisdom, His grace. I want to be a testimony where the word becomes flesh. It becomes tangible. God's presence, His character, His glory, His goodness, like we heard this morning, becomes something tangible. Something that they can see. Something that they can hear. Where the message of the text becomes translated to meat on the table. Where my theology and my doctrine works its way from my head to my hands and to my feet. If that's your prayer, I want you to stand with me this afternoon. And let's just surrender our lives into the hands of the master builder and say, God, I want this year to count. I want this year to count. If you're struggling with issues within the body, offenses come forward. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray that God would surprise you with how powerfully he comes through for you. That you would begin to feel a love that would melt your heart for those who have offended you. If you're the offender and you need to make something right, you know it. Come as well. Come as well. And God wants to touch your heart and give you the grace to do what you cannot do. Some people are struggling with humbling themselves and being able to say, I'm sorry. And I don't know how I'm going to reach out to this person and say, listen, I've messed up. Will you forgive me? If you need the grace, come forward this afternoon. Come forward. We're going to pray for you. If God has spoken to you, you, you're just tired of dealing with people in the body. You've been contemplating leaving, looking for another congregation. You've been looking for uh, some place where they're not going to bother you. (laughs) come, Come forward. If you've gone tired in ministry, in ministry, you've been ministering to kids in the children's church and you're just tired and you said, man, the children of God should be respectful here in the house. What are, what are these parents teaching them at home? And you're just tired of dealing with stuff like that. Come forward. God's going to give you a second wind, a, a, a new resolve, a new appreciation for the body of Christ and those children that you're ministering to or whoever God has called you to minister to. God wants to do a deep work in your heart. He is the bread. He is the wine. He is all that you and I need. 
to live in his fullness. You know, sometimes it's easier just to stay at home and watch the service online where nobody's going to step on your toes, nobody's going to bother you, nobody's going to ask you to, for anything. But how will we bless somebody in need if we don't fellowship with one another? I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm committed to grow in this area. I'm committed to, to ask God to cause me to flourish this year. I, I'm, I don't want to even take little things for granted. There are people here in the choir. I don't know your name. And I've been seeing your face for years. And that may not be a big thing for some of you, but I'm going to be asking a lot of you, what's your name again? <laughs> He knows your name. I want to know it too. Oh God, God, make us your people. You said you lavished your love upon us, God. And you put your spirit in us, God. So the grace is there. You've given us grace, dear God, to not just tolerate one another. You've given us grace to love one another. A love that shocks the world. A love that compels this generation to know that you are God. A love that would cause a centurion to say, this truly is the Son of God. Lord, we pray for that miracle. We, yes, we pray for revival. Yes, we pray for this house to be full to the rafters of people hungry and thirsty for righteousness and truth. But Father, we pray for our hearts to represent you well. God, we pray for a baptism of love and compassion and mercy to override the indifferences, override the, the hurts and the wounds of our hearts. Dear God, do it, Father. Surprise us. Surprise us with how powerfully you come through. Restore relationships here in the house, God. Heal marriages, dear God. Heal homes and do what you alone can do. We thank you for this. We give you praise now. And just as we were singing this afternoon, every praise is due your name. We will be faithful to bring you the praise and say only God could have done it. You were the one who provided. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.